So glad to be home, Lord. We're so glad to be where we belong, to be in, in the house where we are connected. And so, Father, we thank you, and publicly we want to give you thanks for keeping us safe, for uh, keeping things all together here and there and bringing us home again. As wonderful as it was, as exciting as it was, we are so, so thankful to be home. And we ask today that you would speak through this word to every heart. May we hear what you have to say and receive the impartations and blessings that you have for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Before we left, I was teaching about knowing and following God's will for your life. I would make this statement today, and I don't think that it can be contradicted. The most important discovery you will ever make is to find and to know the will of God for your life. The most important discovery you'll ever make is to find and know the will of God for your life. And the most important decision, then, that you'll ever make is to do it, Amen. is to do it. A life that's outside of the will of God is, in a very real sense, a wasted life. Amen. All your gifts, all your talents, all your abilities are first and foremost for the fulfillment of God's will and purpose for your life. Jeremiah 29, 11 says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a future and a hope. Fulfilling that plan that God has for you is the primary way that you are going to glorify and honor God. That's the first motivation for living a life inside the will of God, is to glorify Him, to honor Him, to draw attention not to myself, but to draw attention to the goodness and the person of God Himself. However, there's more to it, and it's good, because living in God's will then, living to glorify God, also happens to position you for the greatest level of God's blessings that's available to you. Being in the will of God doesn't exempt you from trouble. It doesn't exempt you from tests or temptations. But according to 2 Corinthians 2.14, where Paul said, Thanks be unto God, which always causes us to triumph in Christ. Because of His goodness, being in the place of the will of God positions us to have victory in every situation. No doctor's diagnosis, no legal decree, no law, no situation on the earth, no words of any person nor attitudes of people or opinions of people can disconnect you from the blessing of God and the power of God if you are walking in His will. 1 John chapter 4 verse 4 says, Greater is He that is in you than he that is in the world. That's true whether you feel like it or not. That's true no matter what's going on in the world around you. It is always a constant that the greater one is on the inside. You need to make that your confession day after day after day. Say it with me now. Say, the greater one lives in me now 
and will put me over in any situation that I face. That's my attitude. I know I don't have the smarts. I don't have the physical ability. I don't have, uh, I don't have anything in the natural that would make me a candidate for any kind of great success. But it's not about me. It's about the God who I serve. It's about the God who lives inside of me. One of the common denominators of the great heroes of the Bible was they followed the plan of God for their lives. No, they weren't perfect. Their mistakes, at least some of them, are recorded. I mean, the Bible is a real book about real people, and God shows us what He can do with those, quote, real people. I mean, God is an expert at taking some real losers <laughs> and, and making them a tremendous blessing. He's an expert at turning your situation around. You know, God allows U-turns. God allows U-turns. Now, you might do a U-turn in certain places, and you're going to end up with a ticket. I remember the last one of those that happened to Glenna. It cost me 80-some dollars. <laughs> and bless her heart, she's, Glenna is so innocent. She told the policeman in Lynchburg, she said, well, I didn't know that you couldn't make a U-turn. He said, ma'am, that sign's been there for over a year. <laughs> but what do you do when you love your wife? You pay her fine. And if she went to jail, yes, I'd bail her out. Praise the Lord. <laughs> so, you know, uh, these people were not perfect. But they were blessed because they chose to follow the plan of God. Now, I know what the devil says to all of us. He says the same lies to everybody, by the way. But he tells us that, well, you know, you're not an Abraham, you're not a David, you're not an Apostle Paul, you're not a Jeremiah, Isaiah, Samson, or all those other heroes, you know, that did so many great things, a Daniel, a Moses. You're not one of them. Well, no, no, I'm not. God didn't need but one of those. He created them unique, and they fulfilled their place, at least partly some of them did, you know. But you know what? He created you uniquely. Nobody else is like you. Nobody else has your fingerprint. Nobody else has your voice print. And nobody else has your assignment. So the greatest discovery of life for a believer is to find out what their assignment is from God. And the greatest decision a believer can ever make is just to decide to do it. It might not match with your original plans. It may not be what your parents thought you were going to do. It might not be what uh, your friends are doing. But I can tell you from my limited experience that there is nothing like living in the will of God. There's no better place and no greater area of blessing. If you knew where I came from and you knew what God has done for me, you would surely believe in miracles because he is a God of miracles. So the blessed man is one who lives in the plan and the will of God. I want to turn over to Psalm chapter 1. I wasn't sure which scripture we would go to first, but this is where it's going to be. Psalm chapter 1. And I want to read some familiar uh, words to you. If you're familiar with your Bible, then you're familiar with Psalm 1. 
And the description of the blessed man, we could call it. Psalm chapter 1. Blessed, it says, it begins, blessed or blessed is the man who walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law, or we might say the word of God, the word of the Lord, and in his law, or in his word, doth he meditate day and night. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. Now, those three verses should be a description of your life and mine. If you don't feel that it is, make it your goal. Start out by not walking in the counsel of the ungodly. Start out by delighting yourself in the Word of God. Give God a chance. Renew your mind. Connect with the right God connections where He puts you and serve Him and live for Him. And I'll tell you, He will make you a blessed man or a blessed woman. Amen. John chapter 10 and verse 27, Jesus said, My sheep hear my voice. And I know them, and they follow me. That's another great confession to make. I'm one of God's sheep. Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice. And if I'm one of God's sheep, then I can hear his voice. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. Praise the Lord. And so we also find in Romans chapter 8 and verse 14, these are verses, by the way, these, these two references that we've looked at before, in Romans 8, 14, the Bible here says that uh, for as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. And we pointed out that we have a birthright as a child of God to be led by the Spirit. And the 17th verse of the same chapter, Romans 8, tells us how one of the ways this happens is the Spirit, that's the Holy Spirit, bears witness with our spirit, that's your own human spirit, the reborn, recreated human spirit, the Spirit Himself bears witness or gives testimony to our spirit, and that's how we're led. So there are two ways, that two primary ways, I would say. There's, there's some other th more spectacular, less frequent ways that God can speak. For instance, angels could appear. Uh, God could speak with an audible voice. There are some supernatural ways, but those are not things that we usually hear about, and most of us have not experienced that. But there are two primary ways that God reveals himself and reveals his word to us. They are, number one, his word. Number two, his witness. The word and the witness. The written word of God, which was spoken by God, so it could be written by man, so that man could speak the words of God again. And in returning the words of God, Faith is released and God's power begins to move in our lives. You can read more about that in Isaiah chapter 55. But uh, the Word of God is, more, is the more sure word that 2 Peter uh, chapter 1 verses 16 through about 23 talks about. More sure than anything Peter said that he'd, he'd ever seen. And he'd seen the dead raised. He'd seen multitudes fed with a guy's lunch. He'd seen... Uh, Jesus glorified on the Mount of Transfiguration, and that's particularly what he was talking about there in 2 Peter chapter 1. And he said, we having a more sure word of prophecy. So he's saying that Scripture 
is more solid and more dependable than anything our natural eyes would see or our physical eyes would hear. So that means the Word of God, if I have to choose between it and what they're saying on the news this evening, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with the Word. If I have to choose between what the Word says and maybe, you know, what, what a doctor, well-meaning though he or she may be, and we thank God for them, but if I have to choose between what the Word says and maybe a bad report from the doctor, I'm going to go with the Word. If I look at my financial situation and it looks lacking, but I read the Word and it says, My God shall supply all your need according to His riches in glory by Christ Jesus, I'm going with what the Word says. And that's what I'm going to say. And that's what I'm going to plan for. That's what I'm going to declare. I'm going to take action on the Word. It's not my job. It's not your job to make the Word come to pass. That's God's job. It is my job to believe it, confess it, and act on it. That's all I have to be concerned about, is to believe it, to uh, confess it, and act on it. And actually, confession is the first type of acting on the Word of God. That's my job. I do not have to do God's job. I can't do it. So it's a good thing He doesn't require me to. But the fact is, this is the way you walk by faith and not by sight. So... The Word and the witness. The Word involves what we discussed in prior lessons, and all that information is free. You can get it on the app. You can get it online. Uh, you can get it on YouTube, however you want to uh, tune in if you have not yet heard it. But we discussed the difference between logos and rhema, the two Greek words translated word in our English Bible, and uh, how that God leads us through the Scriptures. He leads us through the Word, through the logos, and then in times... Spirit of God will quicken or bring a word, a rhema to us, how powerful that is. And then also that the Spirit of God bears witness with our spirit. And I want to point out that this is not your head. I mean, regardless of how smart you may be or how unsmart you may be, that's not, that's not the issue. God is not bearing witness with your head. He bears witness with your spirit, your heart, the inner man. This is where guidance from the Spirit, that witnessing, Romans 8, uh, 17, this is where that happens, deep inside you, same place you were born again, the same place you have assurance of your salvation. That's where God leads, and that's where God guides. Now, some of you are old enough to remember this phrase, fine-tune. Some of you younger folks that have grown up in the digital realm, you don't really have an appreciation for fine-tuning. But years ago, before uh, digital things, in the analog world, in the world of, of uh, radios with tubes, you know, some of you remember when you were a little boy or a little kid, and you could look in the back of those big radios? I remember one time my dad bought this real fancy-schmancy uh, radio. It was in a cabinet about that wide. It was about that high. And... Uh, it was AM, FM, and shortwave. And we were styling and profiling this, this machine sitting there. And you'd turn it on, and the dial would light up, and you could look in the back, and the little holes, you know, they had for air because of all the heat that those tubes would uh, generate. And you could see the lights in there, the tube. It was fascinating for a little boy. But one of the things you had to do is you had to turn a dial. To tune it. Now they had some buttons for presets, but most, you know, we didn't bother with that. 
we wanted to get it right where we wanted. And uh, so anyway, you would turn a dial and it would move and the receiver would pick up, you know, different stations. And then it had a button for fine tuning. So you'd get it as best you could with the first dial and then you would fine tune it with the other. Now, the reason I'm telling you all that rigmarole of a story is because our spirits many times not only need to be tuned, they need to be fine-tuned. It's very easy for a lot of static. Some of you remember what static was? You know all of that? And how aggravating it was? And I remember Daniel's here today, you know, uh, uh, we would years ago, because he's old too, uh, years, <laughs> years ago, we'd be traveling along in a car and I'd be always listening to these AM stations, listening to preachers and, and um, goofy information sometimes. Uh, you know, there's a few laughs you get out of some of it. Sometimes you get some good preaching. Anybody remember J. Basil Mull and the Mull Singing Convention from Knoxville, Tennessee? Yeah, on the radio every night, all that. Well, so that was the old days. But one of the things that nobody wanted to hear in a radio was all that static and noise. You wanted a good, clear signal. You wanted to hear. And so it is in the spiritual dimension. If you listen too much to what the world says, if you pay too much attention to social media, too much attention to traditional media, too much attention maybe even to some family members or co-workers or whoever, you can, you can get a lot of static. And I can promise you that there will be a time in your life, there'll be multiple times, if you live very long at all, that you're going to need a clear word from the Lord. You know, in the radio world, they also had and still do what they call clear channels. Some of you, true Americans, remember Clear Channel 650, WSM, Nashville, Tennessee, the home of the Grand Ole Opry. <laughs> then, of course, there was WWVA in Wheeling, West Virginia. There was WOWO, WOWO Radio in Fort Wayne, Indiana. Some, see, I, I, I remember a few things. Uh, and uh, those were powerful stations multi-states going into other parts of the country. And so there will be a time in all of your lives and all of in my life when I'm going to need a clear channel. I'm going to need a word from God. I'm going to need to know what to do. I mean, can you imagine trying to get married in today's world without a word from the Lord? I mean, so many variables out there. I heard a preacher say several years ago about all of the people having all these plastic surgery procedures. He said, you know, and they're taking fat out of places and putting them in other places. He said, you know, uh, you know, if you can take fat out of your behind and put it up in your lips, he said, you don't know what you're kissing. <laughs> I didn't make that one up. I'm just kind of repeating what I heard. <laughs> But, you know, uh, can you imagine trying to find a spouse in today's crazy world without being led by the Spirit? Can you imagine trying to find a job that you're going to be able to actually do the job and not have to become a political surrogate 
or some kind of hypocrite, you know, that you can actually just go to work and come home and, and you know, can you, finding a job. I mean, going to a school. I mean, I, it, it has come to the point now where why in the world would you spend tens of thousands, perhaps hundreds of thousands of dollars to send your child to somewhere that's going to make them an atheist? And all kinds of other things. I mean, th- these are all decisions that we need the Word of the Lord for. You go to the doctor and they tell you, well, I want you to take this. I want you to do that. I think you need this. You know, the protocol says this is what you do. Well, you have to make decisions. Because at least now, for the time being, you can decide. You know, they don't hold you down and chain you down yet. And believing God, that's not going to happen to us. But the point is, you need the word of the Lord. You need the word of the Lord. Now, what I want to spend my remainder of time with today, the next two or three hours, I want to spend with you talking about some keys to finding the will of God. And I know it's Family Sunday. The kids are in here. Kids, I'm only joking. You're not going to stay here for hours. But let me, let me give you, and not in any particular order per se. This is just the order of my list. But I'm not saying that this is necessarily the first priority, second, and so on. But there are just some keys that the Spirit of the Lord dealt with me about about finding the will of God that we need to know. So let's look at the first one. Number one, there are places that we need to be in order to hear what God wants us to hear. Now I know that, especially in American culture, we're so uh, individualistic, you know. Uh, We want everything our way, when we want it, the way we want it, and all that. But uh, you got to understand, God's not an American. He's God. All by himself. And he knows he's God. And thinks he's God. And he acts like God. So there are times when he wants you in a place to hear what he wants you to hear. You can question why. You can think you've got a better way. You might say, I don't need to drive that far. I don't need to do that. It's a lot of trouble. You can say all the excuses you want, but there are places sometimes that we need to be in order to hear what God wants us to hear. My example scripture, my, my uh, proof scripture here is Jeremiah 18 and 1. So we're in Psalms, so just go over you know, to the, toward the right to the book of Jeremiah, past Isaiah, to Jeremiah chapter 18. And verse number one, this is an interesting uh, verse. It says, the word which came to Jeremiah from the Lord saying. So now let's stop a minute. This is absolutely God talking to Jeremiah. Would you agree? I mean, there's no other way to interpret that. So what did God who's talking, I want to emphasize that, God who is talking to Jeremiah, what does he say? Verse two, arise And go down to the potter's house, and there I will cause thee to hear my words. Lord, why couldn't you just tell me? I mean, you already got me on the phone here. Why do I need to go down to the potter's house? I mean, that, you know, that's a workplace. He's busy. Why do I need to go there to hear something more from you? Why can't you just tell me all of it here? Because God had a lesson that Jeremiah would not have received had he not went where he needed to be, where he needed to be. There is a place at every season and stage of our life, at every geographical 
area where we may be living or residing or if you're going to school or you're on a temporary assignment for, you know, six weeks or a month or whatever. Uh, everywhere you are, and I would say particularly wherever you live, there has to be a place that God would want you to be where you could continually hear from him. And I would go so far as to say this, I've lived long enough to believe this with all my heart, if I was, if I was in a place where there was no place to go to worship in spirit and truth, no full gospel work, and no way for me to hear through gifts of the Spirit and hear these things like we're being taught here week by week by week, then I'd move. I'd move. I mean, unless I'm called to start such a work, I'd just move where there was one. Because I have come to know that where you go to church is more important than where you work. I've also come to learn that none of us are smart enough to choose our pastor or our wife or our husband or our career path. We have this thing going on in American culture today where we tell children and young people constantly, you can be anything you want to be. You can do anything you want to do. Anything you put your mind to do, you can do it. Well, I appreciate the sentiment that you're trying to encourage young people, but you're lying to them. If somebody would have told me 40 years ago, you will be an NBA star. No, I don't think so. If somebody would have told me when I was in second grade, I believe you're going to be an astrophysicist. I couldn't even have spelled it. <laughs> Much less do whatever astrophysicists do. I'm sure it's an honorable occupation, but it's way beyond my pay grade. No, you and I, none of us, can do anything we want. But I will tell you this. You and I and all of us can do God's will for our life. And God's will for our life is a good plan to give you a future and a hope, a plan to prosper you and not to harm you, Jeremiah 29, 11. And so therefore, it comes back to that discovery of the plan and the will of God. And one of the places where we can get answers about the will and plan of God is in the place where God sends us. God told the prophet to go to the potter's house to hear from him further. So I, as a pastor, make this statement, and I know it sounds like a smart aleck, and I can't help that. Uh, it still needs to be said. In many situations for people, the statement I would make to them if I were bold enough, if I were brave enough, I remember our, our middle grandson when he was a little guy, he couldn't say all of his words plain, and there was something that we were talking to him about doing, and he said, I'm not brave enough. Well, if I were brave enough, I might would say this to you. Your answer was in the meeting, but you weren't there. Where were you? What was more important than hearing from God? What was more important than connecting through and with the body of Christ to be led 
by the Spirit. The Greek word for church in the New Testament is the word ekklesia or ecclesia, E-K-K-L-E-S-I-A. And the meaning of the word is a called out assembly. This was a word used in in, uh, those, you know, what we call Bible days, used in Rome, for instance, of the assemblies of people who gathered to govern. Uh, This word would apply to our Congress, for instance, in the United States, or the Senate of the United States, or the uh, House of Delegates or State Senate here in the state of Virginia. Uh, An ecclesia, a called out assembly. People who are called, they don't just show up. But they're actually supposed to be there. They have a right to be there. There's business to be conducted there. That's the way your local church is supposed to be. A place you are called to, a place where you receive, but a place also where you give, a place where you are involved to receive good things, but you also serve and you become a blessing. That's what a local church, an ecclesia, is about. And that's the divine appointment. Uh, on a church level that every believer needs to have. There are divine appointments and places, and divine appointments at places, we might say, where God manifests. God speaks by the gifts and ministries of the Holy Ghost. He speaks by anointed word, by ministers of the gospel. And we have an opportunity to connect with other believers of like precious faith. We have an opportunity to worship in spirit and truth. We have an opportunity to grow. We have an opportunity to serve and be developed in the kingdom. And it's amazing how when you serve faithfully in the house of God and you get involved with God's business, even financially, God will get involved with your business. And God will bring the return back to you again. We need to be in these places. And I can tell you that this is one of those places. Not everybody belongs here. Not everybody's supposed to be here. But there are people who need to be here. And people who are needed here. It's it's just a blessing. So we need to be where God tells us to be to further hear from God. And there are people who are wandering around. I mean Christians that are always out there wandering around. And they seem to never know what the will of God is. They're always praying about, you know, should I do this, should I do that? Do I need to go there? Do I need to do this, that, and the other thing? Always undecided. In a constant stage of neutral. You know, if you've got a car with an automatic or even a standard shift, either way. There is a place somewhere that's neutral. The engine's running. All the potential of the car is at your disposal But you can rev the gas pedal, move it all you want to, and it'll rev the engine up, but it doesn't move. Why? Because you are disengaged from the gears that would turn to create movement. A lot of Christians have all the potential to do wonderful things, great things, but they're disengaged. And so they're not getting their answers. They're not getting further direction. And you know what? They won't. Until they are properly connected where God wants them to be. Now the second thing, and we just have 14 of these. The second thing, I'm kidding, is that we should never be led by circumstances or our senses. Now a lot of people teach, and I'm not trying to pick a fight with anybody. I'm not trying to disrespect any, anybody. 
But there are people who teach that God leads us through circumstances, that that's one of the ways that you can know the will of God is you just kind of look at your circumstances. And, and if there's a lot of opposition and, and it doesn't seem to be that there are any, quote, open doors, that you should just uh, take that as God's not wanting me to be here or God doesn't want me to do that or go there, so I just don't do it. Well, that's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible doesn't say as many as are led by circumstances, they're the sons of God. I heard uh, one, of the, one of the great men of God that I uh, knew about. I got to meet him a little. I didn't know him well, but uh, actually ministered in our church, and I got to meet the man, uh, Dr. Lester Summerall. I remember one time he made a statement about the will of God, finding the will of God, doing the will of God. And he was pretty gruff. He was pretty matter-of-fact and plain-spoken, but very powerful. But he said when he knew that there, he was supposed to go and do a certain thing. He was using this metaphor. He knew the will of God for a certain area of his life. If there was a door there that was closed, he said, I'd just kick it down. We need more people like that. People who are not led by circumstance, but are actually led by the Spirit of God. And if you will be led by the Spirit of God, I know this sounds lofty, but it's still true. You can change circumstances. And circumstances will have to give way to you. You see, the problem with being led by circumstances is that according to 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4, Satan is the God, little g, or Lord of this world. And so when you look at circumstances and all of that, you are looking at things that can be manipulated by the devil. Leaving your destiny up to chance or fate is basically opening it up for satanic interference and manipulation. You cannot allow what you see, what you feel, or what's being said by the world and the ungodly to determine the will of God for you. You need to find the will of God, stay in His presence long enough until you are sure through His word and by the inward witness of His will for your life and then pursue that no matter what things look like or how you might feel even emotionally. If we all did what we felt like doing, we'd probably all stay in the bed this morning. If we all just did what we felt like doing, we would serve our flesh until we were 800 pounds and couldn't move anymore. If we all just did what we felt like doing, we'd be lazy, gluttons, drunkards, addicts, lust-laden perverts. That's what the body will do. That's what flesh will do if it's not corralled, if it's not brought under the dominion of the spirit nature that's been reborn and filled with the Holy Ghost. You know, when you see the world doing what they do, they're just doing all they know. It's our job to tell them something different, that they can learn something different and partake of the goodness and the blessing of God so their lives can be changed. Amen. The third thing, and I'm trying to hurry, don't follow people who don't follow God. Don't allow anybody to be a mentor or uh, somebody that you have great, great respect for to the point that you would emulate them to any degree, any serious degree, if they're not following God. Don't allow yourself to be influenced by ungodly people. And the word ungodly just doesn't mean a murderer or a rapist. Ungodly means ungodlike. 
People who don't talk like God, don't think like God, who don't act like God. That's being ungodly. You don't have to kill somebody and be an axe murderer to be ungodly. You don't have to be a witch or a warlock to be ungodly. You just have to do things in life that God doesn't do. And do what you do unlike God would do it. That's being ungodly. Don't follow those people. Because those people can never find the will of God for you. Ungodly people are never going to be able to point out the will of God for you. And, they, and unless they change, unless they repent, they won't go that journey with you either. One of the ways to find out if somebody really is godly or not is to see who drops off the path as you continually pursue the things of God. People who are not godly will not go with you to that place. They're the people who tell you you're crazy. They're the people who tell you, well, that, you know, that, that's not necessary. You know, nobody else is doing that. That's uncalled for. You know, you don't need to be a fanatic. You don't need to go to church that much. And, you know, here's another big one. You don't need to tithe. You don't need to give. I mean, you know, that's what people do. That's what people say that don't know the word, that don't know God. Don't let those people influence you. And I'll say this. Anybody that would rob God, how in the world are they going to tell you what to do with your money? anybody that would stand in the face of the church, which is the body of Christ, the thing that Jesus died to buy and redeem from a wicked world, would stand in the face of that and then disregard it and act like it's a relic of the past, an unimportant, antiquated, outdated social gathering that they don't have time for and they're too smart for, those people will never help you find the will of God. And we're living in a day and a time when more and more the line of demarcation is clearer and clearer. And there are things that for the past 20, 30 years believers have been able to be involved with and they've been able to work around and do workarounds and, and try to, you know, still serve God, love God, and still do some of these things. But I'm telling you, we're in a culture today where quickly things are going to shut out you. People that believe what you believe, people who think the way you think, people who do life the way you do life, they're not going to want you around. They're not going to respect your schedules. They're not going to respect your church. They're not going to respect your moral system of believing based on Scripture. And so those people, I'll just tell you right now, you don't need to be trying to please them. The only way you can please a total heathen is to be a total heathen. Pretty much like, you know, the only way you can live an alcoholic is to be one. The only way you can really live at peace with a drug addict is to take the dope with them. It's kind of getting that way. I mean, I really do. I am very concerned for all of the young people that are here, and we're working to try to teach them how to take a stand for God. That's part of what we're doing as a church, and to, and to set an example for them. But the world that's unfolding before us is a is a scary place if you don't know God. And parenting is more important today than it was 30 years ago, and it's always been important. But we're in a unique situation today. Don't follow people who don't follow God. Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 7. Is it all right if we look at that? Amen, amen, amen. The only person I'm making mad is the devil... And that's all right. He's been mad before, and he'll just have to get over it. 
take a number, get in line, you're not next. <laughs> Hebrews chapter 13 and verse number 7 says to believers, Remember them which have the rule over you who have spoken unto you the word of God, whose faith follow. That's the kind of people that you want to allow to speak into your life. People that are in godly authority whose faith you can follow because they speak unto you the word of God. Anybody who's not giving you the word of God, you don't have to follow. I don't care what their title is. I don't care what they call themselves. I don't care how many people bow and scrape when they walk in the room and, uh, you know, how uh, all of the pomp and circumstance of religious hierarchy means squat if they're not giving you the word. Excuse me for saying it that way, but at least some of you woke up. Last one. Here we go. Last one. Everybody say praise the Lord. All right. It is important in being led by the Lord to understand that there are things that God will use others to impart to us and say to us, especially in areas having to do with the will of God. You see, for instance, in the uh, ordination of ministers, the laying on of hands to set people into positions uh, and offices of authority in the church, you see again and again that it was done uh, by people who were elders, people who were uh, further along in the Lord in their faith and in their spiritual life. It's important for us to understand that there are things that God is going to use other people to impart to us and say to us. This idea that I can serve the Lord online. Now let me say this right now because I don't want anybody to misunderstand me. If someone is physically unable to get out, then thank God for online. I listen to people teach and preach constantly online because I'm just trying to supplement my own faith and, and feed my faith for myself. But if you are able, physically able, to connect with a place where God is speaking, then there are going to be some things that God will use those who do speak from that pulpit to impart to you and say to you. These will usually be areas of confirmation, and things of education concerning the will of God. I'm not recommending that you blindly follow anything anyone says. Please don't blindly follow what I say. If you can't take what you hear in this pulpit and then go home and open your Bible and prove it for yourself, then forget it. It's not who is speaking to you, the person, the man or the woman, it is what is God saying to you through His Word. That's what's important. And so we need these kinds of connections. But remember, the Holy Spirit bears witness with your spirit. He bears witness with you. So I have learned in my life to value, maintain, and honor the connections that God brings into my life. And I will say this. It's not always easy because sometimes these things are tested. One of the things that happens when you truly make these kinds of connections is you see people as real people. And there may be times people you thought were on a pedestal that was this high, you found out, no, they're down here somewhere. But if they're called, if they're anointed, if they're speaking the Word of God, that's what I want. I'm really not after uh, what kind of shoes they wear. I'm really not after their you know, the current clothing fad that they're wearing or the way they wear their hair. I mean, <laughs> I try my best not to criticize people's hair. 
It just kind of goes with the territory. But I will say this, I think hair's wasted on some people. Anyhow. Uh, <laughs> but the point is, people are people. And so even our heroes, if we are around long enough, we'll see the chinks in the armor. We'll see the flaws. But I've, I have really tried to learn, and I'm, not, I'm sure I'm not perfect, but I've come a long way. I've really tried to learn to look beyond those things to hear what God was saying to me through them. And the idea that you're going to take your Bible and you're going to go home, and even though you might spend hours a day studying, and that's wonderful. I mean, that's great. But I can promise you, even if you do that faithfully, there's going to be people that God has anointed and brought revelation to that if you will listen to them, they can impart revelation to you, and it will speed up your process. Why do we need to constantly reinvent the wheel when God has already brought someone into our life to help bring us some of those answers? Amen? So in conclusion, which means absolutely nothing, of course, but in conclusion, always do the Word. If our musicians will come, please, and Mariah, get ready to sing and lead us in song. Always do the Word and learn to discern and follow the witness of the Holy Spirit in your own spirit. Let peace be your umpire in making your decisions about what you believe to be the will of God. And I would say to those of us as charismatic Pentecostal people, pray much in other tongues. Get over into the spiritual dimension. This is one of the fastest ways to do it is just to let that river of prayer language flow and you do this while immersing yourself in the written word of God and listening to men and women of God who have something to actually say to us of substance and life changing power from the word as you do that I promise you you will begin to learn the way of the spirit and you'll begin to Discern and know the will of God for your life. And then one last thing, once you come to know the will of God, take action on it. Do it. God's power and God's provisions will be available always to make His will come to pass. Amen? I want to ask you for a moment to bow your head. And I want to pray for you and pray over you. And particularly, I want to pray for anyone who's listening to me who is not right with God. What I mean by that is you've never been born again. You've never consciously made the choice to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Or you've wandered away from the things of God. There's unconfessed, unrepented of sin in your life. And your life maybe looks... Maybe kind of like it did before you ever got saved. Or like someone who isn't born again. Well, in either case, our forgiveness, our cleansing, the change we need is all bought and paid for through the redemptive work of Jesus. You don't need to do penance. And you don't need to tell us every detail of everything. 
you do need to say, God, forgive me. Cleanse me. And if this is the case, cleanse me afresh and anew with the blood of Jesus. I believe Jesus died for my sins on the cross. And I truly believe that he rose from the dead, just like the Bible says. I believe that he reigns at the right hand of the Father as King of kings and Lord of lords, my advocate, my lawyer before the Father pleading my case, my high priest before the Father. And I receive him now as my Lord and my Savior. I confess Jesus is my Lord. He is my Savior. And Lord, I will serve you the rest of my life. Whatever that looks like, wherever that takes me, I will serve you. And I thank you for cleansing me. I thank you for forgiving me. I thank you for making me a new creature in Christ. I thank you for restoring me to fellowship and right relation with you. And I give you praise in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. If you prayed that prayer, 